Doc's Watch is meant for entertainment purposes only and not, I repeat, not meant to give medical advice or diagnosis. Always consult your doctor and not your podcast host if you have a medical question, concern, or ailment. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Doc's Watch, the show where real doctors tell you what's real, what's not, and what's maybe possible in your favorite movies and TV shows. I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Deepa. And today's episode's a little bit special because after many, many weeks of trying, we finally got someone to do outdoor leaf blowing while we were doing our episode. So look out for that right at the beginning. Yeah, shout out to my neighbor for his timely yard maintenance. I mean, I appreciate that he is trying to maintain his yard. I don't appreciate it in the middle of the day. It was just an unfortunate coincidence. (laughs) Anyway, so today's topic is a little bit different. We're going back to the magical world of Harry Potter, but this time we're going to talk about the logistics of the Wizarding World's healthcare training system. So as you probably know, your doctor went through many many years of what we call training and exams and all that kind of stuff before they were allowed to become a quote-unquote real doctor and like practice independently (laughs) and write your prescriptions and do all that kind of stuff. Do all the doctor things. Um, Yeah, so we had a lot of questions about what this would look like once you added magic into the mix. If magical healing is for magical maladies, what does post-Hogwarts medical education look like? So we'll cover the minimum newts. Madame Pomfrey's heroic call schedule. And the unregulated pharmaceutical industry in the wizarding world. Enjoy. Okay, Deepa, let's go to rounds. How does medical training work? I'm sorry for the leaf blower. The leaf blower is the third actor in this. Um, Great question. So I think that one of the um, most overlooked things in popular representation of Uh, medicine and doctors and medical careers is exactly what it takes to become, you know, a licensed certified physician, which is ultimately the type of doctor that you go and see in your real life. Um, And what sort of TV shows and movies and stuff represent uh, doctors as having had in terms of their education. So in the United States, which is what we're going to focus on, even though I know we're talking about Harry Potter today, um, But the United States medical system is the only one that we're intimately familiar with. Yes, Um, we could guess a lot about other ones, but that would probably be bad. I mean, we could wildly speculate about just about anything, (laughs) but we'll go... It might even be the premise of our podcast. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Nice. Um, So in the United States, uh, the medical licensing process is super long, super expensive, and involves a ton of exams. And that's sort Very of expensive exams. That's for everybody in the whole country that becomes a doctor. So the first thing you have to do, obviously, is graduate high school. You go to college, typically for three or four years, but ultimately you need to get a bachelor's degree. And while you're getting the bachelor's degree, you have to take certain classes um, and take the MCAT, which is a uh, the medical uh, college admissions test? Ooh. Yes. Medical college admissions Fact test. Fact check that one. Um, I'm, I'm like 90% sure that's I, true. Yeah. Uh, and so you take that exam, which has changed a bunch since 
when we took it um and i was talking to like some recent uh like some of the fourth year med students third and fourth year med students that uh rotate with us in the hospital and they were like yeah so and so got a 1200 on their mcat and i was like what is that number um yeah because they changed it entirely what like it was out of like 40 40 and then a letter oh yeah there was an essay and you got a letter grade for the essay and like a a nonsensical letter grade it was like I don't it wasn't like A B C D. It was no, like no, no. J. It was like J through <laughs> T or something like that. Yeah. And and the higher like the later in the alphabet, the letter, the better, maybe? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. It's it all was, just hand waving. It was nonsense. just total nonsense. Um and so so the first test you take is the MCAT. Um and so when you apply to medical school, they look to see like what your MCAT score was, what your GPA is, um, and then they make sure that you've done the prerequisite classes, which are usually some sort of conglomeration of like physics, math, uh, biology, chemistry, the stuff that you would expect somebody going into medical school would have taken. So you go through that. You pay a bunch of money to go to college. Um, you start accruing debt when you're like 18 years old, which is great. <laughs> As per usual. Um, and then you go to medical school. And in medical school, typically it's four years long. Um, it can be longer. Rarely is it shorter for people. But every now and then, like some super genius can do it in like three years. But typically uh, you take four years where traditionally the first two years you spend in the classroom uh, and in anatomy lab learning like the fundamental building blocks of um, of medicine, which are like anatomy, physiology, microbiology, pathology. Um, what else do you learn? Biochemistry, genetics. And at the same time, you do a lot of the like practical learning on like actors who need uh a little bit of income while they're going on auditions or really really tolerant patients like actual people who are just not even acting they're just like i'm here so that you can practice Practice, examining me like practice using a stethoscope you learn how to just you know you have to learn all of the things at some point um so it's like literally learning how to touch people to examine their bodies. That sounds. I know that sounded really creepy when I said it out bad. loud, but that's what it is. Um, that's and so, true. and it's it's very standardized across the country. So that's yes. one of the other reasons why you can't really shorten it is because it's not even lack of ability. It's it's more that structurally medical medical school is such that the first two years, although some places are moving to like one year, is to all like one book and a half work. years. Yeah, yeah, and then learning how to like hold a stethoscope and put it in your ears correctly and like touch it to people and stuff like that yeah and then later on you do rotations or clerkships through different specialties yeah so the third typically the third year uh you go through and you rotate for like four to eight weeks at a time through the basic medical specialties so that's internal medicine pediatrics surgery obgyn obstetrics and gynecology um what else is there? Psychiatry. Psychiatry. Family medicine. Family medicine and neurology are usually yep. like the base, like the foundational rotations across the whole country. Uh, during those rotations is when you figure out what it is you want to do. Some people already know what they want to do. You take an exam. Oh, sorry. Back it up for a second. After you do that classroom stuff, you take your first major exam. Uh, and that's like a test on all the book learning that you've been doing. Uh, which is called the USMLE or United States Medical Licensing Exam, step one. So that's the first big test you take. uh, And then after you do your clinical rotations, you take the second step of the exam, which is called, 
unsurprisingly, USMLE step, step two. two. Um, and that test actually has two parts, one which is a normal like written exam and then another one where you have to go fly somewhere unless you live in like Atlanta or Chicago or one of the places where they like do this test. And uh, somebody records you and grades you on how well you, you know, touch people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also speak English and to them speak because English. a big portion of it is can you speak English and can they understand you and washing and you your hands them? and do you wash your hands after do you, wash your hands? you do this test so so you do that so then you uh, apply for a residency and the residencies there's uh, for every there's a residency for each one of those foundational um, rotations that you do and then there's a bunch of other residencies uh, that you can do depending on what specialty you want to end up doing. So that's sort of like the big breakoff point uh, when, they, you know, everybody in med school is kind of in one pool. But then once you decide what you want to do, like what kind of doctor you want to be, that's the first break. Um, yeah. So some people will apply for internal medicine, which is like general adult medicine. Some people will apply for pediatrics, which is pediatric medicine for kids some people do surgery and then you can apply for you know psychiatry obstetrics and gynecology family medicine um and then there are certain subspecialties of things that have their own residency tracks so you can apply to those directly too like anesthesiology orthopedic surgery ophthalmology urology all that stuff so right. you apply for residency you interview and then you go through the match, which I'm sure some people have heard of, um, but it's basically a system in which you go and interview a bunch of places, you rank them, those places rank everybody they interviewed, and then everything goes in a big black box computer and then it comes out and on the same day, every single fourth year medical student finds out uh, where they're going to be for the next X number of years. It's basically a sorting. It basically is a sorting <laughs> to a school. It but I mean, I think sorts the, you. The um, big point. It of, really of actually kind of does sort you the because there's a fixed number of spots, and true. so you know, and keeps it even. But although it doesn't keep everybody, because in the sorting hat, I don't think any of them was like, "You're <laughs> not in any house. <laughs> you don't leave. get to go to Hogwarts." Hogwarts. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. there's a boat waiting but, for you. But I think the overarching point of the way the medical system works that I think a lot of people don't understand because it's always portrayed differently in movies and TV shows and and, and things like that is that graduating from medical school is like the first step. It's like. You are not a doctor at you, the end of medical you school. Do not you have, have an MD. Yes. You have an MD. You graduate with that specific degree, but you have no actual experience treating patients in any field specifically. You just kind of like know how to talk to people and you know a lot of science. You know a lot and of science. And then it's only and, and after you, residency that you actually are a baby doctor. Yes. Not a doctor of babies, but a baby doctor. Unless you choose to be a doctor of babies, but then you need more training. But then you're a baby doctor of babies. Yeah. So once you so you start your residency and you you have all of the like abilities in in the sense of being able to write prescriptions and write orders in a hospital and all that stuff. You have but all you don't know of those what abilities. Prescriptions or orders to write. You don't know what to write. You don't know how to do it in a practical way and somebody is always supervising you. So residency you go through um, and then, you know, with each year of residency, you get more and more autonomy, but you always have 
a real doctor or like we would say a, an attending doctor um, supervising you. And then on top of that, you haven't been licensed by any particular board of medicine or certified by any board of like a subspecialty. Right. Nobody has told you that like, hey, you are actually competent in this specific field that you've chosen to do training in yeah. until after you basically take board certifications, which is what that is for. And yeah. that only comes after residency. So residency is kind of where I think in a lot of TV depiction, residency is equated as being like an actual doctor where you can go do all of the things without any supervision and people are just coming to you by themselves kind of. And in addition, you are, you know how to doctor everything. Like you are basically all of the doctors. Yeah. But you actually have to choose a very specific residency. And then at the end of residency is when you're really, you're going to take that test to figure out if you are certified to be a doctor in the field that you've chosen. Yeah. And so you take the test and like, for example, for us, it would be the, you know, the American Board of Pediatrics does the board exam. So that's what we would take it to be a pediatrician. If you want to be an inter if you want to do internal medicine, then you take whatever the ABIM calls their exam, which is everybody calls it the boards. And it's by your particular subspecialties like governing board. Then if you want to subspecialize beyond that, so if you want to be a gastroenterologist or you want to be a cardiologist or you want to do ICU medicine, or if you're like an orthopedic surgeon and you want to specialize in hand or sports, or if you did OBGYN and you want to specialize in maternal field medicine or reproductive endocrinology, those are all additional years of training. So depending on what the application process is like, you know, it might be another match. It might be a apply and we'll interview you and offer you a position, whatever, but it's additional years of training. And then at the end of which there might be additional board exams. Uh, for you to be certified in that. So your training after medical school can be anywhere from like three years if you do family medicine or general pediatrics, general internal medicine, psychiatry, to up to maybe, you know, seven, eight, nine years. Um, so it's a wide range. And the main thing is just because you went to medical school doesn't mean you know everything there is to know about medicine. That is impossible. Literally impossible. Literally so. impossible. And we all rely on each other to fill us in on the particular <laughs> specifics of their fields, you know, right. for for consults and managing patients. So that's the, the big picture um, in terms of what right. it takes to be a doctor. And then even once you're done with all of that and you're a junior attending, there's still a ton to learn. And so I feel like nobody really feels super comfortable and like confident in themselves as like a doctor until maybe two to three years after being an attending I and then they're finally feel, reach like a steady state if you feel like too self-assured it probably means that you're not scared enough yes like you should you exactly, should always be yeah. like kind of if feeling like i don't know like i really hope that this. was the right thing i should double check everything i do right. um, okay yeah. so since that system is so exceedingly complicated to become a doctor so that we can actually heal people. What if everyone could do magic? I mean, if everybody could do magic, that would be excellent. And how would that work? Well, we, well, we talked about this, right? Because we talked about how JK Rowling had said, had talked about how in Harry Potter, the idea that you have magic means that all of these little common colds and maladies are basically just dealt with. So you don't need you know, somebody to prescribe you medication for the flu, if you got the flu. 
or like a bacterial infection or something like that if you got it. And that most of the people doing quote-unquote medicine in Harry Potter are dealing with magical things. So the other thing that we thought about was the fact that there doesn't seem to be any education after Hogwarts. Right. Right. So it's like... Hogwarts is like middle school, high school, university all together. Yeah. And then after you go to Hogwarts, you do like an apprenticeship or something like that while you're uh, training to be whatever it is you're going to do. So basically... If you wanted to become a healer, which is what we understand is what the quote-unquote doctor types are called in Harry Potter, there doesn't seem to be like a formal education that you need except for some requirements of what you need to do while you're still at Hogwarts, which doesn't seem like particularly rigorous, you know? Right. I feel like if anybody went to college with any pre-meds, they fundamentally understand that pre-meds are like the worst people. Um <laughs> You know, that everything you do is about, like, your grades and studying and, like, Friday night parties aren't happening, whatever, because the most important thing is that you get really high grades so you can go to med school. But it doesn't – it just doesn't seem like that um, in Harry Potter and what Rowling has described. Right. I mean, it does – it sounds like to become a healer in the Harry Potter world, you do have to get pretty good grades on a lot of newts. But – if that happens, then it then it kind of just seems like you would find an apprenticeship. Like, there's nothing beyond that in terms of more structured training or, like, another structured school. So you have to get a grade of an E, which is not even the highest grade. It is... What's the highest grade? It's the an second o? highest. I think the highest is an O. Is O for outstanding? It's for outstanding. Because E is okay. exceeds expectations. Right. And Although I will say the newts that you do have to do well in, they make sense because if in this world, what healers do is figure out how to break curses and how to lift like charms that backfired and things like that, yes. then clearly you'd have to do well in, we looked it up and it was transfiguration, potions, obviously, charms, herbology, and defense against the dark arts. They're basically all the subjects where there's a pretty huge margin for error and a pretty reasonable chance of harm should the error occur. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense. It's just like, you know, it's it's the same way that medical education works here, which is like you're ultimately trying to fix the body, so you need to know how everything normally works in order to be able to fix it when something Although goes wrong. I will wrong. say that my basic, like, biology classes and stuff like that in college had little to nothing to do. Are you trying to tell me that learning about transcription <laughs> did not help you take care of patients in the ICU? I'm saying that I did not need to know the very specific details about transcription. Are you in saying order that to if somebody doesn't have a Krebs cycle, that they don't exist anyway? So why learn about the Krebs cycle? Even if they did exist, I mean that Krebs cycle. I'm kind of like, yeah, you got to know about the Krebs cycle. But wow. there are like certain details. You're going to be on like, the record I... as officially pro Krebs cycle. <laughs> Aren't you pro cycle? <laughs> I guess I am pro cycle. Who isn't pro cycle? We'll, have a, we'll sure put a link to, to the Wikipedia article of the Krebs cycle in the liner notes so that people can go make their own decisions yeah, about the Krebs cycle. Yeah, you tell us, are you pro or con Krebs cycle after you figure out what that is? Let us know. I'm thinking everyone's going to be pro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone who's alive has a Krebs cycle. But anyway, so who are some of the healers in Harry Potter anyway? Well, some... One of the, we'll start with, we'll start at Hogwarts and then work our way out. 
to the rest of the magical world. So at Hogwarts, we all know Madame Pomfrey. She is the main uh, person depicted as somebody with some kind of medical background in Harry Potter uh, because she's a school nurse. And the way that she is depicted is... Um, is sort of like an old-timey World War II nurse in some variety of a tuberculosis ward, Um, (laughs) which is what I think of, um, at least in the movies when they depict it. And I think to some degree when they talk about the... they don't call it a hospital wing. What do they call no, it? No, I think they, they do. They, do call they call it a it hospital, hospital wing. Um, yeah. In the hospital wing at uh, Hogwarts where it's like one huge room with big windows and two beds on each side that may or may not be separated by a curtain or some kind of divider or something like that. Um, so she's the one who everybody goes to when there's a problem. And there's no talk about what exactly her qualifications are or what – kind of training she went through but she seems to be the only one around that's able to do what she does so she must have had some kind of specialized training and i think i think they actually do they actually refer to her as a nurse i don't remember i think mm, if you question if, if they do like thinking about it as analogous to the real world it's it's relatively rare that like a nurse would practice without any kind of supervision so we're thinking she would have to have some kind of advanced training and be at least like a nurse practitioner or something like that who can practice without supervision because she's just by herself yeah or at least practice to the the entirety of hogwarts at least practice to the degree that she practices yeah because she she doesn't does treatments you know she does treatments while she's there she's managing a bunch of different potions and medications and charms and stuff to fix the students yeah she and they're not like low level at least to me i guess i'm i obviously have not attended hogwarts but they don't seem like low level issues yeah like crushing all the bones in your arm is not a low level issue or taking care of someone who's been petrified petrified right i was like like, in retrospect i'm like that's a pretty serious illness like maybe you should have called someone about that or at least gotten backup I don't know. And I don't recall that she sent anyone to St. Mungo's, right? I don't I don't recall that either. I think she took care of everybody in the hospital. Yeah. A lot it seems like a lot of her treatments though, like there's one line of acute things that she does, like fix boneless arms and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> yeah. then a lot of her treatments are kind of like, oh, it's just gonna take some time. Right? Doesn't Hermione go to Madame Pomfrey after she has that mishap with the polyjuice potion and she like turns into a half cat? Oh, yeah. And she, she basically just goes and, like, sits there for, like, a couple of days until, it like, the cat washes out of her. Which, to be fair, in real life, frequently, it just takes time for people that's to heal. That's true. When you and have that's why sometimes toxic... when you go to the doctor and they're just kind of like, sorry, it's going to be, like, a week until you feel better. It's not because we're secretly hoarding medicines that we don't want to share with you. It's literally because it sometimes just takes some time yeah, for you I to get better. Yeah, I wish we had an antidote for everything, but most of the time... Time is the best medicine. Um, yeah, so at least she's there to, like, observe. So it is, like, an OBS unit as much as it is that's, that's a good an urgent care facility. Um, not that anybody is certifying any of these things uh, in this world. Which <laughs> as far was, as we can tell. Which was my consternation. I was like, there are no boards. There's no graduate medical education office. Yeah. Like, who? who's the, like, hospital board or the hospital regulation body that's overseeing St. Mungo's Hospital? Like, there's not even a ministry of health. Mm, that's a good point. Right? Although the Ministry of Magic 
That is just so general, considering this is healing magic. <laughs> there must be subcommittees. There I mean, must be at least one subcommittee devoted to this. It doesn't seem like it, right? Because in, Hog- in, in the ministry building, it's just like a door that leads to the That's ministry. Sure, it's just of- the one door There's just- for the minister. <laughs> for the minister. <laughs> Are there any oh. doors, actually? It's flu powder to get in. No, there's a lot of flu. There's a lot of um, And then there's fireplaces. elevators and fireplaces, yeah. And then presumably doors in other places that were irrelevant to Harry at the time. Right. It's all from his point of view. He doesn't care about all of that other stuff. Yeah, he is an unreliable narrator. Yes. Um. So, yeah, so we don't really know about Madame Pomfrey. Um, and the other thing is, like, you know, there's certain things that we have to do, like CME. Like, you have to continuing medical education to stay There are up. a lot of acronyms in medicine, in case you haven't it's noticed. It's like alphabet soup. Yeah, to stay up to date um, with the latest medicines and studies and research and all this kind of stuff and so you know madame pomfrey's never like out for a conference right <laughs> that's true how does she even take vacation like can <laughs> I she mean, does anybody at hogwarts i guess she can go over like the holidays oh that's true you know because okay, they take a good point because they're in they're in europe so they take like two months of holiday at a time yeah but sometimes well like over the summer break because i'm thinking over winter break like some of the students who didn't have homes to go to like harry stayed that's true right so she must so then, be like, there she would have to be there or else they would have no medical so staff. there's like a serious labor issue with madame pomfrey right because if she's the only one then that means she's basically taking call constantly yes yeah, she would have to be on at call. all hours of the day oh my god that sounds really stressful oh, that doesn't there should be at least one other person she needs she needs one backup person. she does need a backup call because what if she gets sick you know what I mean? You have all these amateur magicians. I mean, amateur wizards. <laughs> all these amateur wizards around with wands that they can just use willy-nilly. There's no way yeah. she's never been caught in the crossfire. There's no way. I want someone to write me some fanfic about what would happen if Madame Pomfrey got sick. <laughs> people need. People should appreciate Madame Pomfrey more. They really should. I mean, she's taking 24-7 call. She's the only one there. She never sends anybody to an outside hospital. You know what True. I mean? Like, she, she's like, I will deal with this problem. And, and as far as we can tell, at least from the text, there are no other hospitals besides St. Mungo's. Like, there's St. Mungo's Hospital, and then there's the hospital wing of Hogwarts yeah. for basically the Everything. UK. For all of the United Kingdom. That's true. I mean, yeah. not that Harry would have been going to a lot of, you know, minute clinics in Godric's Hollow or something <laughs> like that. But it's something to think about, you know. So yeah. so we have so we, so we have Madame Pomfrey. And then you mentioned St. Mungo's, which you mentioned a couple of times. And that seems to be the only other, like, major medical facility. Like, institution. Yeah, yeah. institution. So it seems like, you know, that St. Mungo's is a teaching hospital. Uh, because in the text, there is reference to seeing, you know, like a nameplate of some variety of attending type healer with a trainee, uh, with an apprentice. Um, so that's probably where healers go to learn. Um, it, there's no indication of how long or what exactly it is they need to study or what kind of tests and stuff they need to take. But we wouldn't necessarily know that either since Harry is not specifically interested in that. Right. You know, if our character perspective was a different character, maybe we would know more, but we don't really know. And also we know that St. Mungo's hands out pamphlets at career day. So they have to recruit just in the same way that the ministry would recruit um, or other, you know, businesses and stuff would recruit. So they still want 
people to become healers and it's still an apprentice model, which is essentially what it is in the United States. You're basically an apprentice until you take a board exam and officially declare yourself to be what I call a real doctor. Right. It's just, there's just more like um, official institutions that have to give you that certification as opposed to like, you know, the master and apprentice thing where your master eventually is like, you're good now. Yeah. Go, go do it yourself. Deciding that you're done, basically. Right. So that's what we have there. Um, and then there's a lot of different types of like medicine things. I mean, despite all of this, there's a lot of different medicine that's in Harry Potter. Uh, right. People have and potions, they do charms, there's all sorts of stuff. And we were sort of interested in the infrastructure of that, kind of knowing yeah. how the infrastructure of that works here. One thing, one thing we didn't look particularly. into. No, go ahead. Yeah, one thing we didn't really talk about was nothing seems to cost money. And I think, I wonder if that's <laughs> just because the base, like the the frame of reference is like the NHS. Um, mm. Because JK, oh, I you didn't know, even think about that. Because... J.K. Rowling is obviously from England, and they have had the NHS since World War II. And um, when you have that type of health system, you don't think about the cost as much. Whereas, you know, if the same story were to have been written here and somebody had to go to St. Mungo's, you could easily write fanfic about their how their family is, like, going bankrupt because they can't afford to have their two like people in St. Mungo's for months. That would be a boring and depressing book. Listen, where the this rest is of the, the book is just them fighting the insurance companies. This is the type of fanfic I'm looking for. Okay. <laughs> really procedural administrative nonsense. I think one of the biggest questions I had in terms of medicine infrastructure in Harry Potter is about pharmaceutical companies. Yes. Because and if they exist. If they exist. Because if you have potions which ostensibly can be made by anybody, right? With the right ingredients. I mean, the potions textbook is functionally a list of ingredients and how you have to mix them together. And granted, there are certain people that that will be a little bit better at that and have kind of a predisposition um, to do that than others. But, but in theory, like all magic, if you practice it, then you can do it, right? Then yeah. why would you need anyone to actually manufacture potions? And this came up specifically... Because, and Deepa, Deepa can attest that I texted her and I was like, can you explain this, please? With, with Skelligro, which is used to grow back Harry's arm bones yeah. by Madame Pomfrey. And Harry's if you look boneless in the movie, arm is like the nidus <laughs> for a lot of questions that we had. His noodle arm is where a lot of this originated. But if you look at what Madame Pomfrey does in... The movie, the way it's depicted, Skelligro is clearly a branded potion that someone bought from somewhere. Like, it comes in a little skeleton bottle. Yes, with a skull as the lid. With a skull. And it's called Skelligro. It has a very specific name, whereas a lot of the other potions and stuff have have more generic names. Yeah. And so I think that this Skelligro is being sold by somebody. But and it if that's seems, the case, why? It seems like it's over... Right, like what? what's... So this is what I was thinking about, was that there's all these potions that are in the book, right? They're in yeah. textbooks and things like that. But some wizards do have a notion of like intellectual property. And probably this Ruben, Ruben's Win, Winicus came up with the Skelligro formula. And instead of the like... I don't want to use the word socialist instead of the <laughs> like 
academic, look what I discovered. I'm going to publish this in some way. He said, I see an opportunity here. And he started the Wizarding World's first and only pharmaceutical company. You just, I mean, you put it in my brain now because you're saying that he was being capitalistic about it. He is. A, I mean, I think so. You know? Yeah. Because it's so interesting, right? Because so many th- we actually, I mean, this is a totally separate conversation, but there's not a ton of, there's only a few flashes of like entrepreneurial spirit in Harry Potter. And most hmm. of the things, like most of the problems are dealt with by like the government. That's a good and you point. like but there are all these i mean obviously there's stores and shops but there's no like big scale corporations or big pharmaceutical companies or anything like that so probably rubens winicus and company exist to make skelligro incorporated <laughs> exist yeah. to make skelligro and that might be their only product you know what i mean and if that's the case like can you file in this world can you file patents I mean, you must be able to. For a potion formula? Because otherwise, you could just, presumably, you could just mix it yourself if you knew But what maybe was that's what it. Maybe that's the thing. Like, maybe Rubens Winnicus is similarly... Because people talk about, like, Snape as being, like, a very good, like, potion master. And Potionier. understanding how to make potions and all that stuff. Yeah. So maybe Rubens Winnicus is similar to him and is creative and figured it out. But then it gets into this thing about, like... Is there any kind of regulation of this? Because obviously in the United States, if you want to make drugs and sell them, they have to go through testing and they have to be approved by the FDA and, you know. Right. And then also, like, what – how how did he even come up with this? Probably because, by accident. I mean, probably by accident, but in one context. Like, how would you come up with a potion and then be like, oh, wait, this potion grows bones? Like, I don't <laughs> – Maybe he was trying to do something else and it accidentally grows bones. Like how we figured out bones? like how we figured out what Viagra is. Mm, that's a good point. Although how did you so like with Skelligro, would you grow extra bones <laughs> if, if you, you didn't took, need to take if it? If you already had enough bones, would you grow yeah. more bones? Probably. Or I have the, a lot of questions about Skelligro. Your in existing specific. bones might become more ossified and then be less spongy. So maybe, but as far as we can tell, they don't do x-rays and stuff, so how would they know that? Nobody would know. Maybe you're just – you know how people say, like, oh, I'm big-boned? Maybe they were all just <laughs> results of these early Skelligro experiments. Rubens Winnicus and all of his friends just got big frames, and they were like, we don't know what happened. We think it was this potion. <laughs> so now we're going to sell it. Now we're going to sell it He was like, people. bottle it, print it, sell it. Oh man. And then and then is this like a Coca-Cola situation? Like when Rubens Winnicus, who's presumably died already and has passed this recipe on to whoever inherited his company, what if it's lost and then nobody can scale grow ever again? Then everybody will just be boneless. <laughs> Whenever that happens. Boneless it's a very less. common ailment. <laughs> it happened Potter. once in seven books of Harry Potter. So. Which is already too many times for that <laughs> particular thing too many to happen. Times. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it would make sense. So my question, then my other question would be, why didn't Rubens become a healer? Because the students that would naturally be good at things like potions and charms would be the natural healers, right? Because if it seems like it's not just having the knowledge, right, which is what being a doctor kind of is. It's like learning the, being a doctor is like learning the whole book and then looking at a thing and using all that knowledge to figure out what it is. Whereas it seems like there's more doing and procedural stuff in 
wizarding magic and wizarding healing. Because you already know yeah. what happened. Most of the time they can tell you. They'll be like, They're I tried like, to make I'm a vom-. vomiting newts. And then you'll be like, okay, differential diagnosis. <laughs> vomiting newts. Yeah, diagnosis is not the problem frequently. No, it's <laughs> the treatment is the problem. Jeez. Usually so somebody can be like. experimentation. Like it's a lot more. Um, it must be a lot more experimentation kind of invention of counter curses and counter charms and stuff like that if you are in- encountering something new. You basically have to mess up a ton. This is basically like medical devices. <laughs> it's like a, the medical device. It's being an engineer. All it is. And being an engineer. Trying to it's make a, magical a thing, engineer. failing at it a bunch, and then maybe you can grow back bones. I actually like that a lot. It is a lot like being a magical engineer. Like, you would have to know how... Presumably, how like curses and stuff are put together to know how to undo them. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Okay, I like that. Yeah, we'll 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 take it. We'll take that one. <laughs> That's officially canon. That's how yeah. it works now. <laughs> if there were character, which of the characters in Harry Potter do you think would be most likely to be a healer? Neville. Who? Neville. You think Neville yeah. gets so nervous around other people though? I yeah, but seem- he's like he's good at herbology. That's true. And he really cares about people. He's no good at potions, though. That's true. He's actually kind of bad at everything else. I take it back. I would Luna think... Luna could be a pretty good... Maybe Luna. ...healer. I was thinking one of the Patil sisters, but that's just because they're Indian. <laughs> <laughs> Women after your own heart. They are. I don't know, actually, because they would have... Everybody went and wanted to be, like, aurors and stuff. It's one of these side... So... It's one of these, like, side characters, like, second-tier Slytherins that were, like, really good at potions. Probably one of them. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be someone. I think Luna would be good at, like, out-of-the-box thinking, which True. seems like it would be important for this. Yeah. And she has but, a lot of compassion Yeah, for she does. And and she's really smart. Like, she's from Ravenclaw. That's so true. She's she would Ravenclaw. have the book smarts, and she's she thinks out-of-the-box because she's, you know, loony Luna. We just have to and, rein her crazy in a little bit, and we can make her into a good healer. Yeah. Or or not. Like, once she's after her apprenticeship... That's true. She can just kind of be crazy. who she is. And, and just figure stuff out, yeah. you know? That's true. Truth. All right. So, I think we have exhausted the topic of healers, graduate medical education, or lack thereof, in <laughs> Harry Potter. Uh-huh. So, shall we go to our resident lounge? Let's do. Put our feet up. Play some Smash Brothers. Play some Smash Bros. Answer phone calls. Um, So there are a couple of things in Harry Potter that they talk about, and they're actually real things. Um, And one of the ones that comes to mind first are Bezoars, which Mm -hmm. is a top five favorite word to say for me. Bezoar. Bezoar. Has a lot of satisfying sounds in it. Mostly the Z. I tried to suggest to a friend of mine in med school that was having a baby that she should name her baby Bezoar. <laughs> she Did said, they "Reject your suggestion." She said, "Thank you for the suggestion. <laughs> I'll take that into consideration." <laughs> yeah. So, what is a bezoar? So, a bezoar is basically a general term for a mass of something that accumulates and then gets stuck somewhere in your GI system. And your GI system includes your stomach, your small intestine, your large intestine. Um, I think the one of it can be made of like a lot of different things, but but one of the things that I always remember because it was one of the first bezoars I learned about is um, called a trico bezoar, which is made out of hair, and it's specifically 
when people have like trichotillomania and like hair pulling and hair eating kind of compulsions, all of that hair can become a giant mass that gets stuck somewhere in your GI system. And then surgeons have to go in and get it out. And that is fish it out. Something um, that we learned about, I think, early in med school. And I was just like, that is real weird. It's one of those things that you learn about and then you go to your first like college friend reunion and you're like, guys, <laughs> med school is amazing. Let, I me, tell l- let me tell you about Bezoars. <laughs> and then no one wants to talk to you ever again. But Bezoars, um, yeah, like you said, they can be a lot of things. There are certain types of medications that if you take a bunch of them, um, of pills of a certain variety at a time, they can cause a Bezoar. Like I think if you take a lot of calcium pills or iron pills yeah. and stuff like that, those can kind of congeal together and make a Bezoar. Um Certain animals actually intentionally have bezoars, um, and so uh, I think it's goats. Uh, I think I think a lot of hooved animals, like oxen, sometimes do, yeah. and sometimes horses well, will intentionally, just eat rocks. yeah, intentionally eat rocks, and it helps digesting the thing that they actually eat for nutrition, which is like grasses. Um, and so it's not unreasonable to think like back in the day when you cut up when you you know killed a goat and cut it open to prepare it or whatever you saw all these rocks you, a bunch of rocks. you were like they must be magic <laughs> you must have magical properties because why else would be, they be in <laughs> why there? else would something that's not in my belly be in another thing's belly <laughs> so yeah i they they cause a lot of problems for for people because they could just cause blockages in your intestines yeah. and whenever that happens i mean that blockage has to be removed or else you could die. Yeah. Essentially. So you can so, get a bowel so, obstruction. And if right. you get a small bowel obstruction, then uh, nothing can go in. And so your intestines before that point will get progressively bigger and bigger. And then you just are risking it perforating, uh, which means like breaking open. And that can cause huge, horrible infections. Right. And I learned that one of the weirdest things that I learned about that can cause... Well, it's not the weirdest, because a lot of really weird things can cause bezoars, but one of the most unexpected things I learned that can cause bezoars are unripened persimmons. Like if you just eat them unripened? Yes. If you eat a lot of unripened persimmons, so in places where this is where persimmons grow naturally, which persimmons, if you if you don't know, are, are that kind of like orange looking, it looks like a tomato, but it grows on a tree. It's a fruit. And... In places where they grow naturally, a lot apparently a lot of horses and stuff can eat unripened persimmons and get really sick and develop bezoars because unripened persimmons have a specific tannin in them that create a kind of glue when it's in your stomach. That's weird. Right? It's very weird. Don't so like don't eat unripened persimmons. Just don't do it. Wait until they're ripe. They don't even taste good when they're unripened. So just don't do it. I mean, they taste good when they're ripened and cooked and everything. Or raw when they're ripe. Ugh. Just don't eat unripe anything. Just I mean, don't eat persimmons. General. Okay, they're just too dangerous. <laughs> they're so dangerous. Um, okay, and then so bezoars. Those are very strange, but real. And we but love not them. real the way that they're portrayed in most no. fantasy books. Like they're not going to save someone's life. Harry's or no. If Harry you bring me a goat rock Ron's and, and someone is like coding, I'm going to be like, "What are you doing?" Right now? <laughs> <laughs> not going to do anything. Please leave the hospital. Um, so my biggest question 
from looking into the GME or graduate medical education of Harry Potter is, would you still be a doctor? I mean, a healer. If, if we had, you know, magical inclinations and ended up at Hogwarts or Ilvermorny because we're in the U.S., um, would you still become a healer? Yeah, probably. I, I, I said I yes, probably. I think that it's, it's hard to tell, right? First, I would have to um, come down from my reeling that I'm a wizard. And I mean, but you would come down from that when you were 11. Yeah. So. But then the thing would be I would have to, like, learn, put my entire life into focus again and figure <laughs> out true. what it is. You know, presumably, I would still want to do well in school and all that jazz. Um, but I mean, we're both Asian. I so, feel yeah. like I feel like it would probably be the answer would be yes. I but, don't think I would. Caveat asterisk. Um, I would take a lot of other interesting classes. So we looked into um, Ilvermorny and what classes you would take. So for Hogwarts, Rowling sort of laid out the classes you need to take and all that for to be a healer, and it was actually kind of like spare like there wasn't a there it doesn't seem like there are a ton of variety of courses period at hogwarts that you could take um but somebody went through the trouble of designing an ilvermorny curriculum so anything we're about to say is based on something posted on this particular tumblr account um, the official ilvermorny tumblr account. The official ilvermorny, however official a fake wizarding schools tumblr account can be yes um but I went through, and when I was making my classes, uh, taking into account what the likely pre-med classes would be, I think there's enough wiggle room where I probably would still take all the classes to be a healer, but then uh, some other additional classes to be more like a government policy or diplomat type person. Yeah, and we'll we'll post links in the liner notes so you can kind of take a look at the class list and then... um and see what we would have chosen. We also put together kind of like what a pre-med curriculum might look like if Ilvermorny's, if this, if this was Ilvermorny's class selection. But I think from what we've decided would be our classes, I think you would end up in the ministry or whatever the U.S. equivalent of the ministry is. Um, the government of know. magic? Yeah, I think you would be in the <laughs> government of magic. Government of magic, but if in in my government of magic, we would definitely have a department of magical health and human services. Yes, and I would apparently be some kind of magical anthropologist based on all of the classes that I took. <laughs> yeah, and I think, and the other thing is, you know, thinking about this, part of being an insufferable pre med is the fact that you plan out your four years of college like the day that you get there, because you have to take all of these required classes. And so it, if somebody did want to be a healer, then you'd kind of have to know this in advance. You know, you'd have yeah. to know it at least by your second year of your ma magical training, which is essentially the seventh grade, you know? Yeah. And so That's... you have to plan all that stuff out. And I mean, a lot of things are going to change in your life. You're going to start growing hair all over your body. <laughs> Becoming the wizard is the least of me. <laughs> Training to be a wizard <laughs> is literally the least of the problems. Um, oh, puberty man. is such an adventure. <laughs> puberty is coming for you. <laughs> puberty is coming and also Voldemort. <laughs> he must not be named. <laughs> he must not be named is actually just puberty. 
It's just puberty. <laughs> this right, whole story all was Harry all Potter just, is about just a metaphor for puberty. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. On that note, let's go to our discharge summary, wherein we give you our actual review of the thing that we're talking about. Yeah. So Deepa, what did you think of Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say B+. No. I give Harry <laughs> Potter 15 out of 5 golden snitches. Golden snitches, that's pretty good. Um, okay, I give Harry Potter 10 out of 2 Skelligro patents. <laughs> How do you know? Okay, 10 out of 2. What do you what would you what do you rate the uh quality of medical training depicted in Harry Potter? Um, if I, okay, so just purely based on text, I would say that it is scant. <laughs> it is not great. It is scant on a scale of zero to five. <laughs> it is scant. Um, but I think that Rowling's, the paratext stuff, so like Rowling has commented on it, um, because again, Harry Potter's written from the point of view of Harry, who is an unreliable narrator and doesn't pay attention necessarily to like the structural elements of the wizarding world because he doesn't necessarily care about them and is going through but, puberty aka Voldemort right, and is going through Voldemort um but Rowling has commented on it and I think her idea that the wizarding healing would specifically be about like magical maladies so like breaking magical issues like curses and stuff like that is really interesting so I think that's actually pretty well thought out and is pretty consistent actually in the book it she, i mean there's, at I least, questions about other stuff yeah she but. at least takes the time to acknowledge that horrible things happen and somebody else has to deal with them yes you know like if you fall off your broom from a great height something will happen For to you something still happens we will discuss not... this more in detail in a later ep- yes, episode yes there's there are more harry potter episodes coming don't, because don't we worry. both love harry potter a lot <laughs> Jinx. A lot. You owe me a Coke. Oh, gosh. Uh, Did you know that Coke can be used to dissolve um, bezoars made from unripened persimmons? Stop. Specifically Coca-Cola. If you ate unripened persimmons and chased it with a Coca-Cola. You might be okay. Are you safe? Possibly. I mean, don't do this. I mean, what in your life got you there? I don't know that you're eating I don't know why you would have both of those things at the same time. But, I mean, if you're going to eat an unripened persimmon, maybe drink a Coke. Hashtag this is not an ad. Right. And on that note, (laughs) thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Docs Watch. You can subscribe to our medical ramblings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at DocsWatchPod or visit us at DocsWatchPod.com.